Do you have time? Pass to the sideline. Hines. He does well. Here is a carry by Hines. Bouncing off bodies inside the 20. Foot race. Hines. Touchdown. Colts. And welcome to the Friday edition of Interesting to See, your daily sports podcast about news, narratives, takes, and gambling. I'm Nick. It's a football Friday. Like, rate, review, subscribe. We're live on uh, YouTube and Facebook every day now. You can friend request me, and I will be your friend, perhaps, if you would uh, like to do something like that. I think that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. We're going to talk about football all day, but we have to start... But the two things that broke the internet yesterday, the first thing is that Dave Portnoy uh, apparently um, got jiggy with it with a couple female employees, and that was reported in what was a debatable piece of journalism by a business insider reporter, and then all of the Barstool employees came out and they defended him. Everybody hates him. Everybody loves him. It was like a thing that people had to address. He seems like a creep to me. He seems like a good person to work for unless he slides into your DMs. I think this is my gut feeling is this is one of those things where both are probably true. But uh, (laughs) just a really quick thing about Barstool, then we'll get into actual sports. This came out, the woman who wrote it, it didn't seem like good journalism. I don't think that this piece will be taught in journalism class. There wasn't two sides to a story. It was just alleging that rough sex was too rough. And I, I don't know what to make of any of that. However, it dropped on the same day that Barstool Sports' parent company, Penn National Gaming, uh, reported their third quarter earnings, which were a duh, period, disaster, period. And they lost 20% of the stock price. And then everyone's like, it's because of the hit piece. It wasn't because of the hit piece. Whatever. All of this is a tremendous distraction from the fact that our top story happened, which was a months, perhaps years-long investigation by someone named Baxter Holmes, who's a senior writer for ESPN.com, exposing the, the Phoenix Suns and their owner, a man by the name of Robert Sarver, who appears to be the most misogynistic and racist owner that has, that we can confirm in all of professional sports. The allegations are damning. The amount of times he is quoted as using the N-word to black people in the piece is really crazy. The misogynistic stuff is crazy. He had a culture of fear and power. They, they actively did not seek diversity because he didn't want people to disagree with him. Uh, I have this quote here, which is really telling, and this was like said as a joke, kind of, sort of. So let's read the quote. This is someone took a screenshot and I'm going to read it. This person's name is Noah. Shouts to Noah. So I guess I'll bring it up. What's the point of having YouTube if we're not going to do the YouTube thing, right? Uh, yeah. Quote, when the Suns were recruiting free agent LaMarcus Aldridge in the summer of 2015, the team knew that Aldridge had young children in Texas and that playing near them was appealing. He wants to play at home. Duh. During the recruitment, Sarver, that's the owner, remarked that two basketball operations staffers that the Suns needed to have local strippers impregnated by NBA players so that those players would have children in the Phoenix area and feel obligated to be closer to them, thus giving the Suns a potential edge in free agency. Huh. That's not the only damning screenshot. There are a bunch of them. It's crazy. I, I, my gut feeling when I w- was reading all this stuff happened yesterday was that if the Portnoy thing didn't go down, that everybody would be talking about this, but the Portnoy thing did go down, and now no one's talking about this the same way. The internet was not united behind a holy shit story. There were a couple of them. Uh, this journalism is far better than the business insider journalism, in my opinion, and I did go to school. I am qualified to make an opinion about that. Uh, It's bad. 
I thought that the Suns might not might like hold out and not play for him anymore. I don't know what's going to happen, but the way the NBA and most leagues are set up this way, the owners can get together and just be like, hey, buddy, you're going to sell a team now. Or they can just kick him out. Both of those things are possible. And I, I don't think that he survives this. The only thing, the only thing is that there's no like recording of this. There's no tape. There's no audio. There's nothing that can, people can play on Good Morning America. And that's what happened to Ray Rice. That's what happened to, I forget the Clippers guy's name. That's what happened to the, the Carolina Panthers guy. When there's no recording, people don't seem to care as much. Um, we do have an update on the story. Uh, the Wall Street Journal and NPR are reporting that the NBA is now investigating Sarver. Some of the quotes from the ESPN piece were like, if they would investigate, they would be appalled. There were people who are basketball scouts in the story saying that if I had known it was this way, I wouldn't, take, I wouldn't have taken the job, which is a crazy thing to say. But now uh, WSJ and NPR reporting that they are going to open an investigation into this situation. And it's just, from what I can tell, it's just going to be, he said, she said, unless someone's holding on to some piece of evidence that nobody knows exists, which is, that's entirely possible. It is entirely possible. All right, let's keep it in the NBA real quick before we get to our Football Friday. This is kind of a cool thing and maybe something that we could do for our Game Theory podcast where there's a new episode of Game Theory out today. So all of the uh, seven people listening today can listen to Game Theory. We are discussing one of America's most enjoyable game shows ever and one that we all like to play, especially when we were homesick from school as children. And uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. But um, that's coming out. It'll be in the show notes, perhaps. The, what, what I'm talking about is a, a report by the Wall Street Journal. Fridays maybe it might be Wall Street Journal Sports Coverage Day. They do a pretty good job. Uh, they are kind of diving a little bit deeper, a reporter by the name of Ben Cohen, into what's going on in the NBA with scoring. And it's kind of enjoyable. So for the past couple of years, everybody knows that it's just become a three-point contest. James Harden and, and Steph Curry have kind of gamed the system. I, I suppose you could add uh, Clay Thompson in there. They figured out that, hey, three points are 50% more than two points. So we should try to do that more just at a percentage that makes it so that if we even if we miss or whatever, it's better. The NBA has then become very unwatchable. And everybody's like, this has just become a three-point shooting contest. Well, this year scoring is down. And I'm, when I say scoring is down, I mean scoring is like 1970s down. So a couple of things have happened. Thing number one is they, they stopped calling these loophole rules. What James Harden, the basketball player, would do is he would get people in the air and he would kind of flail around and he understood how the rules worked at a high level. And the Wall Street Journal compliments him in this piece and said if he was a, a Wall Street high-speed trader with a, with a Bloomberg terminal, he'd be a billionaire, 100%. He reads the rule book, he takes advantage of the rules. Well, they're not calling that anymore. So there's no free throws. And it's made it a lot more watchable. So the scoring is down. And I remember calling high school basketball games, scoring gets out of control when there are free throws because if you're scoring when the clock isn't moving... The, 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 the scores get inflated. That's how you make comebacks. You try to get to the line as quickly as possible. Slow the game down. Stop the clock from running. The NBA put their whistle in their pocket. Like a foul is now actually a foul. Thing number two that the Wall Street Journal is alleging is that after having a year or so of adjusting to having no, uh, I guess they call it the third eye in baseball, having no background of these empty stadiums, and then now the fans are back. So there's both the distraction, there's the pressure of the fans, and then they're having to readjust. Everybody who watched the NBA bubble was like, uh, they can't shoot. They haven't had to do it in this kind of environment. Well, then they did, and now they're having a tough time. It's been really fun. People are really liking the games. The games are lasting like 10 to 20% shorter, which is great. One of the uh, big draws for NBA for me is a, as a sports fan is that the games are short. I like that about it. College football will wreck your Saturday just watching one game. It's like four and a half hours. It's, it's absolutely absurd. But the third part about this that I want to point out 
is human adjustment. I think that it's sort of like the hot hand fallacy. We all kind of assumed that this would just be the game now, but it turns out that Steph Curry and James Harden and Clay Thompson are actually just freaks. You can't do what Steph Curry can do. What he can do with his body in a, rep, in a repetitive way is crazy. I don't know that there's anybody like him. I kind of suspect he'd be the best quarterback in the NFL just because his ability to control his muscle memory is preposterous. It really is. If he quit basketball and wanted to be the best golfer in the world, I genuinely think he could do it. He could probably drop what he's doing right now in November and, and be and qualify for the Masters because he, he can control his body. If you think I'm joking, look up his golf scores. I think that we thought that that was going to continue, and I think that maybe that kind of takes credit away from Steph. He didn't hack the NBA. He's just really, really good. So that was kind of interesting today to me and something to kind of chew on as the NBA comes back around. Players like uh, Joel Embiid and, and Anthony Davis are going to have a lot to say about what goes on, and this bodes well for LeBron James. All right, let's go to some Friday football stuff. Uh, looking at the slate, and I'll be honest with you. How did this happen? How does this keep happening? Are there any games that are good? Can we all agree that LSU Alabama is not a thing that needs to be in primetime anymore? Edo is a, it was good the one time with Joe Burrow and the fun and the LSU and like that, that's over. Oregon, Washington is happening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Wait, does this? This doesn't seem right. Does my computer think I'm in central time right now? It does. What? I need to fix that. I'm not watching Liberty and Ole Miss. They're not kicking that game off at, a, at 10 a.m. Does my computer think I'm in Arizona? It does. Anyway, whatever. No, it thinks I'm in, it thinks I'm in Mississippi, which is where I went to college. Whatever. Auburn A&M is going to be a good game. Tulsa-Cincinnati is going to be a good game. Tulsa is good enough to piss off Cincinnati. And I would like to give a shout-out to Google for not using the college football playoff rankings. Google is using the Associated Press rankings, which has Cincinnati the number two ranked team in the country, which is probably where they belong. Tennessee at Kentucky. I like Tennessee in that game. Other interesting games, Wake Forest at UNC. Everybody wants to keep calling bullshit on Wake. Sam Howell is better than any football player that has ever gone to Wake, so we'll see if uh, that's good enough. SMU in Memphis is kind of interesting. This is a good small school weekend. Now that I'm looking at this late, this is a good, yeah, Boise-Fresno, that'll be kind of fun. Ole Miss and Liberty is a huge game for those of us who like a football team in the NFL who sucks because it's Malik Willis versus Matt Corral. Those two players will be going in the top five, I suspect, and will be future franchise quarterbacks. It's also interesting because Hugh Freeze, who was really good at Ole Miss, but also like cheated and lied and, and, and uh, f- uh, philandered his way out of town and screwed us. I can say us. I went to Ole Miss. He's coming back to Ole Miss for that game. So it should be... That's, that, that's appointment viewing at noon while you're working out or doing whatever you're going to do. Let's go to the, the uh, National Football League. Uh, the slate's fine. Nothing crazy. The most interesting game by far is Browns at Bengals. Uh, this Odell Beckham Jr. thing people are kind of freaking out about. I don't know or really care. I think that, you know, he's kind of a prima donna. And he fancies himself good enough to play for someone, I guess, in the league this year, like Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray. It appeared like Baker was trending in that direction. Now we're pretty sure that he's not trending in that direction. Another great game is Vikings at Ravens. The Vikings are one of the best teams in the NFL, despite not being one of the best teams in the NFL, which is kind of fascinating to all of us. Broncos at Cowboys. If the Broncos lose this game, I suspect Vic Fangio will be fired very soon. Uh, Texans at Dolphins is interesting for those of you gamblers out there because Tyrod Taylor's coming back. He played like one and a half games this year before getting hurt. And then Davis Mills, the 
Rookie had to play, and it was a disaster. Packers at Chiefs. RIP State Farm, who wanted the Mahomes-Rogers Bowl. They've played each other twice now, Packers and Chiefs. Both times, one of the quarterbacks was hurt. That's what you get for trying to make Patrick Mahomes like Aaron Rodgers. If you want to do smug State Farm commercials, where the whole point is that the, the main character is a quarterback who gets special treatment, and he's smug and thinks it's special treatment, yeah, Aaron Rodgers makes sense. Why are you going to do Patrick Mahomes like that? Cardinals at Niners. I think the Cardinals are going to roll in that one. Let's take a look at what Las Vargas has to say. I haven't done this yet. I have, I have uh, bet on the Packers. We'll talk about that in a second. Any interesting spreads here? Can I bring it up? It's going to fit. Don't. Don't do it. I know what you're trying to do. All right. Maybe it's a little, little small print there. Don't care. Uh, Falcons at Saints. Saints minus seven. The over-under is 42. Ooh. Calvin really stepping away from football. That's probably a pretty good spread. Bills are favored by 14 and a half against Jacksonville. That seems low. That seems low. That might be a good hammer time right there. 14 and a half seems low. Cowboys are favored by 10 over Denver. That seems low. Uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Baltimore favored by six over Minnesota. Wow, I love Minnesota in that game. I need the hook, though. I need the little dash. I need the point five right there. Don't love that. Arizona is a pick em against San Francisco. Essentially, I might pick Arizona money line there. That makes a lot of sense to me. The Packers... Yes, got it. Awesome. I love my boy Kyle in, in uh, Pennsylvania. So the Packers were, were one and a half point underdogs, right? And then Aaron Rodgers tests positive for COVID, so he can't play. And that means that Jordan Love is going to play. And then the line moves to nine and a half. Well, let me tell you something. Everyone, including Las Vegas, is having a really difficult time understanding that Kansas City is not good. They were good. They're not good. Uh, nobody knows. Like It is partially an effort thing. It is partially a, a Patrick Mahomes has never played in a league that defends him properly. Well, now people are defending him properly, and he doesn't know what to do. He, he hates the He played at Texas Tech, just chuck it down the field. Then he got to the NFL, and they're like, hey, chuck it down the field. And now defenses are like, yeah, well, you're never going to do that to us again. And he doesn't know what to do. Andy Reid doesn't know what to do either. It's, it feels like it's 2005 Philadelphia all over again where they're begging Andy Reid to run the ball to, to, to Westbrook. So the Chiefs, the Chiefs are not good, guys. Like, they're not good. They're not a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Green Bay, and Green Bay is getting guys back. They're going to get Devontae Adams back and Alan Lazard back, and the best left tackle in football, Brian Bakhtiari, is apparently going to make his debut in this game. I'm hammering Green Bay, even with Jordan Love, who, by the way, was a first-round pick and apparently has a better arm than Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. That's a real thing that scouts actually think and believe, and they all are in, what, it? Unanimity, whatever. Don't care. Don't make fun of me for that. They all unanimously agree that he has got a better arm than those guys. He looks like Josh Allen. He plays like Josh Allen. So seven and a half points, nine and a half points for Green Bay, please. Kansas City's not good. They're just not good. The Steelers are favored by six and a half over Chicago. Oh, I kind of like Chicago. But Chicago's getting their head coach back, so that may, that's actually bad news for them. The primetime games this week are Ravens at Dolphins. Oh, no, that's Thursday night. Oh, thank God. Okay, so the primetime games this week are Titans at Rams, which should just be an ass-kicking by the Rams. Derrick Henry is out. RIP to all the fantasy owners that had him. And the Bears at the Steelers is the Monday night football game, which uh, is going to be like a rainy gross affair in Pittsburgh and whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, Chicago's going to build a new stadium. It's been finally announced and it looks sexy. Should take like 35 years to build or whatever, but apparently they're getting a new stadium. Yeah. So should I give best bets? That one, that's what I'm supposed to do as a gambler on Fridays. Okay. Best bets. So you're supposed to pick three best bets. That's what the internet.com tells me to do. So I'm going to pick... Packers plus seven and a half. Easy. I've already bet on that. 
I also love the Cowboys to cover 10 points against Dallas. And, oh, yeah, Minnesota 6 over Baltimore. Yeah, Minnesota will not lose by 6 against Baltimore. Love that. So Minnesota, Green Bay, Dallas against the spread. And Arizona on the money line. So the fourth one, you can sprinkle that in there, too. I don't bet over-unders right now because I'm just not seeing the game the way that I want to or need to. Holy shit, are you kidding? There's a total at 39 points. That's got to be the lowest of the year. Vegas never sets totals in the 30s for NFL games. Oh, it's Pittsburgh and, and Chicago. Oh. All right, well, that makes... That makes quite a bit more sense now. Yikes. Are we going to watch that? Texas head football coach Steve Sarkeesian said the monkey story is not a distraction at all. Uh-huh. Thanks for answering our question about the monkey story. How's the team doing? Four and four? Great. Great, Texas. Sounds a lot of fun. Another boring weekend of college football on the way this week. Auburn and AM. I guess that's the game to watch. I'll be back better than ever on Monday morning. We'll review the scores from the weekend. Like, rate, review, subscribe. I do live on YouTube and Facebook now. You can say hi to me in the morning if you'd like to. Damn, my beard looks pretty good. Looks pretty good in the morning. I'm not going to lie to you guys.